should you decide to accept it. Welcome back to Be Your Mission Pop. This week we're doing the Lemon Twigs, 2020 album songs for the general public. Uh, you know, a couple, a couple of guys out of New York started super young. We were just trying to establish how little research all of us had done. And, uh, <laughs> the consensus was very little. I, I can say, so this was my pick. I can tell you that I heard of them like maybe two years ago, like 2018. And I'm not sure where it came from. It could have come from a Henry Rollins radio show, that weekly show he does. I may have picked up a track off of that. I may have just stumbled upon it on the YouTube rabbit hole. But yeah, very glam rock, very like 60s kind of pop. This album gets a lot of like 70s ELO vibe. But some of the things that that kind of caught my ear are like like the high quality production and like the obvious good influences that they pull from. I think it's hard to say like they have one particular sound they've gravitated with to with all of that but i think like in general it's kind of a really good pop sensibility <laughs> and uh, a willingness to get a little glammy and get a little weird dude they're cre- there's some creative dudes for sure and i think the thing that struck me just listening to all these songs is the songs are never straightforward there's they're never straightforward. I think what the big hit, the one, it really yeah. just has one and a half verses. And yeah, which is weird. <laughs> and there's many songs that like twist and turn in really cool kind of ways. And these are young guys. Like, how the hell are they doing this stuff? And I agree, the production value on these songs is like amazing. The instrumentation is yeah, like, it- really varied and like. They're using like mandolins and all kinds of synthesizers and weird percussion and like where are they recording this stuff? Like they have access to every instrument like known to man. I'd never heard of these guys before. And I was like reading on their Wikipedia and it said that their second record was a musical about a monkey. And I was like, Yeah, yeah like that went to, went to high school or something? That I kind of... twigs go to school? Yeah, I was like, yeah. okay, I'm on board. I'm, I'm on board. You're going to do an album about a, a musical concept album about a, a monkey? Yeah, it's a, a musical about a chimpanzee raised as a human boy. At least they don't take themselves too serious. I'm with it, like yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm into it. Like, that, like, it's fun. And there are a couple tracks on that album that are really fun. Yeah. I've got it in my queue. And then there's other songs like like what we're listening to now, Moon, mm-hmm. which is very clearly like Billy Joel, but it's sung by Brian Theodario, which I think if we were to talk about him separately, like Brian kind of seems like the madman loose cannon, <laughs> and Michael seems like the good boy. kind of the straightforward guy. Yeah, like straightforward guy. Mm-hmm. I mean... I don't know what the writing credits divide to, but really when you like listen to their albums and listen to the two of them perform the songs, there's a lot more kind of like freewheeling glam rock to, to Brian's stuff than Michael's. Yeah, I noticed the difference between the two brothers singing. I think I probably picked more of Michael's songs. Like, I think, 
the more, at least the ones that he sung more. But it's okay. Like Michael's, I don't know what, I don't know where to put his voice. I was trying to think about that. I'm not really sure where to put his voice. I got some real like Jagger, Dylan, Jagger, Dylan, like rough kind of vocal vibe from the brother. Like on Hell on Wheels is like specifically what I'm thinking. Like it's like rough around the edges, but it sometimes sounds like Jagger, and then they'll randomly sometimes sounds like a '70s Dylan. So, so yeah, exactly that stuff. So. It's really cool. Look, I love the music from the 70s, from the 60s, 70s. I love that music. It's super cool. I know a lot of it. And it is really cool to listen and be like, okay, I'm hearing a little bit of, yeah, ELO. This song has a part of it that sounds, like you said, Billy Joel. It sounds like moving out to me a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, that stuff, stones of different periods in the 70s. So it's cool. It's really cool. I'm trying not to like make it all about like a nostalgia trip, like for me, because I think they're really good songwriters. Like I think they're really good songwriters, and like they just choose to use some of the tropes, some of the vibes of the of the '70s, right? Yeah, they, like they, I, I I would agree. Like I think in terms of like musical writing talent, they've got a lot of. And I think the lyric, the simplicity of the lyrics belies that like complexity of the writing. And, it, and it's like, I think a little bit about the monkeys when I listen to them for that, like where it's really easy to write off the monkeys as this like- Beatles rip off like, Assembled Beatles, yeah, assembled <laughs> who, to rip who off Who's writing Beatles. off the monkeys? <laughs> yeah. Who, who is doing this? Who is this scarecrow that you're talking writing. about? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, the mon- when I when I find them, I will point point you in their All direction. Right. I will <laughs> But yeah, like I think for years the monkeys got a bad rap for that. Like I think the people that that took the time to listen to the and and I was a, like as a kid, I think I watched every monkey rerun I could. Just I absolutely loved that stuff. Yeah. But like, much like them, like they have this perfect kind of pop sensibility that. I don't know, like it's, there are times where I think, I don't know how much I'm really into this, but by the end of the song, I find myself like whistling it, yeah. and like hours later, especially with the one, especially like, the song. days later, months later, I will be singing this. Especially the song. This song is the, per- it's the single for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's like, anth- my only bitch about this song is too short. Like, it's too short. Not, not to sound like conventional, but do three verses. Give me a little more. Yeah. Like, I, di- I dig it. It, just has, it. it has a Motown feel underneath of everything to, like, add it on top of everything else that's already there. To me, anyway. Yeah, well, hey, the monkey's never had a guitar solo that, like yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, and, and that's the thing that, that kind of pulls me into that yes, ELO territory when I listen to them. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That ability to throw in a power solo, really, it hooks me every time. This song, it reminds me of some of ELO's, like, pop hits. Do you? I don't know, there's a bunch. But, yeah. and if you guys, if you watch the video for the song, The One, I think so I think there's two official videos, right? The One and for Moon, I believe. Yeah, yeah, which Moon is in the after party. The only reason I didn't put one in the after party links was 
because we watched it already, but I'm not against watching it in yeah, repetition. We should we should totally watch it again. They dress up like they're this this is like psychedelic stones. Like this would have been like yeah. her Satanic Majesty's request era stones. Yeah. And it's like Mick Jagger and what's the name of the bassist and Mr. Ron Wood. There you go, yeah. So yeah, that's I don't know. <laughs> like, they're not being subtle with their influences, certainly. And I like, I'm okay with that. Like, yeah. I, I yeah. feel like, I feel like artists that I really enjoy, like modern younger artists, I'm good with them kind of wearing their influences on their sleeve for an album or two, or yeah. just indul- indulging it a bit. I feel like some of Mac DeMarco's more like influence indulgent stuff that's come out in the last few years is pretty solid yeah it's cool um, speaking of Mac DeMarco this kind of this song reminds me a little bit of a off the rails Mac, Mac DeMarco song I there's a Parts I think of it? this is the song I think this is the song where there's synth work that sounds like a video game but <laughs> is like arranged like an organ through the song yeah does that make sense yeah yeah like it it's ballsy, right? Like, it's ballsy to take these things and piece them into this, like, kind of classic rock vibe that well, they've garnered. And then, there's also parts of the song that sound like Queen to me. <laughs> like, it's just... It reminds me of Queen. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I feel like I'm just gonna... Basically, gonna name every halfway decent 70s band, like, when we're talking about these guys. Because I'll be like, I'll hear one piece, and I'll be like, there's a song, I want to say it's like track three yeah no one holds you there's a synth solo in it and it's the same synth that stevie wonder uses in golden lady and i was like oh that's the stevie wonder synth that's like what i was doing the whole time like i I was listening to to this record i was taking my kids to summer camp and back this this past couple weeks and they were really getting super annoyed with that i was like oh that's queen and they're like i don't care and what are you talking about I feel like they do, this band does so much of that that it invites you to relax into it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's, yeah, I feel like if they wanted to use the influences to create something like uniquely themselves, they certainly could, but it's so nostalgia driven. Yeah. Jenny, is there a song that you desperately want to talk about? I desperately want to talk about? <laughs> desperately. I don't know if I'm desperate to do a whole lot at the moment, but mm. I think this that... Is the Barry, this is the Barry Manilow I mean, song, by the way. We've yeah. talked about the one already, and we actually just did watch the... The music video was on. That's the same yeah. one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So I feel like we've done that one. Yeah. My... My second ended up being Live in Favor of Tomorrow. Yeah. And I think that one was a very close second. It was hard. Like, I almost, it almost was my first, actually. I love this song. But I don't know if this one has a whole lot of direct influence. I don't know. Like, maybe it does for you guys. But to me, like, this was something that sounded like it could just be them. And I like that about it. That not only was it a good song, but it wasn't like immediately hitting me over the head with some other band it's like it's a little bit jayhawks-ish like to me (laughs) vaguely something like that and i'm sure there's probably some other like 70s folk that it's close to but i like that like that i could just listen to this one without immediately like thinking of someone else 
and it also that it was just like a great song that I really I felt like this one was really well done. Yes. I really like the bass work on this one. The bass is amazing. Bass is amazing throughout the record. I, I, there, yeah. At various points, like if you, there are songs where you you can isolate the bass a little bit, and you're like, wow, they're not playing it straight. Like they're all over the place. Yeah. Oh yeah, and that's really cool. I like that. I think it's just easier to hear in this one. Like they mm -hmm. let it they let it come out more. Maybe. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a little bit easier to suss out in the mix. For sure. It's a beautiful song. It's really great. Yeah, this should have been single too, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I think this one would have worked as a single for sure. So I have a question, Ryan. Maybe you have better sense uh, of this. It seems like their first two records were, I don't know. It seems like the first record was really well received, and they did like the talk show circuit. So they have performances of songs from their first record, and their second record. Yeah, like. KCRW. Like Stephen Colbert, I don't know, random things. And yeah. then yeah. this album came out, and I think it came out in March of 2020, so maybe it was just a casualty of the pandemic? It was supposed to come out in March, it came out in August. Okay. So I think it's a pandemic. Okay. I think they probably would have still made the circuits, because it seemed like they had established themselves on those circuits. Yeah. Like if you. Especially like KCRW and NPR, like I think you can track like performances there per album release, and and I, I don't think they managed to make any of those trips in 2020. So maybe it's still to come. Yeah, it makes me wonder if like we're like very few people are listening to this record. So because I mean by very few, what what the fuck does that mean? But if you look on the one. There's about 450,000 views, right, on YouTube, and that's like nothing to shake. Obviously, that's that's a big deal. Yeah. I was surprised. I guess I was kind of surprised because if you look at some of their other videos, they have more views. It's been around a little bit longer, but um, I was just wondering if, for whatever reason, did this album come out on a different label? Did it not get the same promotion? Is it just purely a pandemic thing? Because it would be know. a shame. It would be a, a real shame. And how did I you think, first I listen think, to this thing? This album, not I, like them just generally. I think at that point, my YouTube algorithm had been dialed into the Lemon Twigs in some way. And maybe through 4AD, maybe through their, their channel, when the one dropped, it showed up in my feed. I found the one like a couple of days after it dropped. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah, I think it was largely, not that I, like, I don't have television and watch late night stuff frequently. I'd watch it in reruns or in small clips on the internet. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think maybe I caught an interview with them, because at one point I caught an interview with them on Tim Heidecker's Office Hours Live. Oh, nice. Which was a lot of fun. And <laughs> I think that was ahead of the release of the album. Yeah. Nice. Not sure. But it was definitely the video for the one that like was the first thing I saw and heard on this album and I was hooked immediately. Cool. I like the I really like the background vocals that run through this song. <laughs> yeah. That like high pitch kind of Bee Gees style. Yeah. So apparently Todd Rundgren is like their favorite performer ever. There's a I also, in the after show, there's a, a Todd Rundgren song that's 
There's a version that they play with him live. Yeah. Like, he comes out on stage and sings a song. But the audio quality is like fan in the crowd audio quality. So I found a better like version of the original, like a, a live performance from Todd Rundgren of the song. And it's great. You could totally hear the influence in it, of course. Yeah, I like... This is certainly one of those bands that like, again, I probably just found through a YouTube component and <laughs> just like the song that initially hooked me was off of their Do Hollywood album, mm -hmm. which is the one that dropped in 2016. And they have a song, As Long As We're Together, that's very like strange and catchy and I guess psychedelic Beatles song. Yeah. And at that point, it was like, okay, like there's no cost in giving these guys a chance. And right. It's keep their albums in my queue and they show up on shuffle. And then every few months I get in a kick, which is where this came from. I was trying to figure out what I was going to have us listen to. And like right before the show two weeks ago, it was like, I was like two days into a lemon twigs kick. And I was like, you know what? Let's, Let's just ride it. this yeah. train the yeah. whole way through. Yeah. yeah. This makes me think about like the way like we get turned on to music now. It's just, like, it's very different from how, from when we were growing up. Like, I mean, it's algorithm driven. Yeah. And like when I was growing up, it was not the radio because there were like three stations and they didn't play music that I liked at all. Except maybe, sorry, except Q94 Classic Rock. But it's not, that was more education and less, hey, you should check out this hot new shit. <laughs> that was more like, oh, it's the first place I heard, like, Dire Straits, or the first place I heard fucking Blue Oyster Cult, or whatever. Like, it's just more education, right? Yeah. But, like, I used to be, get turned on to music in two ways. Like, a friend would be like, yo, you should check this out, or... I'd go over to a friend's house, they'd be playing it. I'd be like, oh, what is this? Or whatever. And then the other way would be going out to clubs or parties and like just listening and being like, oh, that's cool. And then like asking the DJ, literally asking the DJ. This is like before like Shazam and shit like that. Or sometimes what I would do is I would l try and just remember a couple of the lyrics. Like I would just listen for the lyrics. And then like when I go home, <laughs> I'd like search on Google and just type in the lyrics and search it in quotes. I have, I have totally done that many times before yeah. my, before Shazam was a thing. That's a thing I did. <laughs> I, I still do it now. If, if I'm walking around with part of a song in my head and I can't remember like exactly what it is or where it came from, I will Google the lyrics and like, yeah. Like inevitably, I'm like, oh yeah. That's what I <laughs> okay, you um, know what's funny? Like, just one quick little tangent. Like, I remember, it, yeah. I went to summer camp. I don't know. This would have been '96 or something like that. And uh, they had whatever parties, non-alcoholic, like dance parties, basically. And so, I remember going to one, and there was a song, and I remember hearing it, and I'd never heard it before. I really liked it. And I couldn't make out the lyrics, really. I thought it had the word, I thought it had the word rooster in it. <laughs> it wasn't Alice in Chains. And I thought it had the word, like, I, it was like rooster in your something. And I was just like, okay. 
And again, this is before the internet. Yeah, Yeah. this is before the internet. So I just remember listening to that song and it stuck in my head for years. Like I just, I knew it and I could hum it. And like I had what I thought was a piece of a lyric and that was it. And it just hung with me for like years, like three years until I heard it at a party in college. And then I went to the DJ and he told me, and it was, they might be giants, birdhouse in your soul. Birdhouse where, in your wait, soul. Where was, where was I, I misheard, make a little, I'd heard birdhouse, I'd heard rooster in your soul. <laughs> I didn't know, I just didn't know. But I'd heard it once and I liked the song so much. I was like, what is this? And I, again, like I, I just didn't know. and. And it just stuck with me for three years. That's still probably my favorite They Might Be Giants song, but... Um, yeah, that I think that album is still, like, top-notch. I, so, one of the things that, on this album, I was kind of thinking about, and we're going to get into He Who Shot, Shot Not Be Named, yeah. we're just going to name him territory. Like, <laughs> these, these guys make me think of Ariel Pink a lot. Yeah. Because of their ability to stitch together like multiple pieces of influences. And I think this song does it a lot for me. I think there's a distant connection in and it's a production quality thing. Like I think if Ariel Pink for the first few albums like prior to I don't know why I blanked on the name of the before today. Mm-hmm. Prior to before today, like if he would have had access to the kind of production equipment that these guys had access to... He might have made stuff like that. It would have been... It w- yeah, I think it would have sounded like... Yeah. Like, there are pieces of this that totally remind... Like, in the background of Somebody Loving You is this kind of, like, like squishy, kind of sludgy, like, synth line that sounds, I don't know... Jello or songs yes. like that from Ariel Pink. Yeah, so I, I wrote the note was for me, it was the AP song. And I actually, I'm going to revise that. It's the AP meets Kevin Parker Currents era song. Split those in half somehow. And I feel like you get yeah. whatever this sound is. It's, I think it's, it's cool and fun. Like, yes, I, yeah. I really enjoy You, you could do worse. Way worse. Yeah. <laughs> Than a comparison like that, yeah. I think you could do way worse. Yeah, and I think, like, in the end, like, the things that I really enjoy about Ariel Pink's music is are, are similar to the things that I enjoy from these guys, and that's that they can take pieces of music that, by and large, like, in the pop spectrum has been largely forgotten, in terms of like radio play yeah and weave it into something that like sounds fresh and classic at the same time yeah and i think like if we really wanted to talk about like creativity i think ariel pink's significantly better at that than these guys because i feel like he turns those sounds into something that i never expected them to be yeah whereas these guys are like a warm blanket of like 70s classic rock <laughs> like it just yeah. It's just comfortable and it doesn't challenge me at all. I, um, I think the thing, the one thing I, I agree with you, Ryan, I think the only thing is that their songwriting is 
at the very least interesting. Like mm -hmm. they don't, I think, remember when we were covering Occurrence and I think Jenny, your big beef was just like, these songs are pretty simple. And like, they just do the thing you expect them to do more or less. And, and with a couple of exceptions, it's like verse, chorus, bridge, you know, verse. Yeah, I think that there's, uh, it, I don't think it's fair to simplify it to just that, but that was like the easy, yeah, yeah, that was the easiest way to. <laughs> at, at least that was one of your big beefs. And I think. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I don't think that you can bring that to this. This does not do that. Like, the songs go all over the place and in, in unexpected ways. And I respect that. It would be. I th but I think maybe part of the reason they haven't gotten big or whatever, maybe they don't care to. But maybe part of it yeah. is just. Part of it is just like. They kind of have settled into their groove. And that groove, I think, is maybe a groove that appeals to, like, music nerds like us. And they might be, like, the instrumentation is a little too Baroque for the general public. But also, I think that, like, their lyrics at, at times, like, I find genuinely amusing. Yeah. And I don't know if that's what they were going for. But, for example, <laughs> this song... It's, they'll say the moon looks a lot like a toenail tonight and it's like, yeah dudes if people were walking around saying that i'd want to get the hell out of there too but don't these people have something better to wow all right yeah cool. you know yeah, or also just like a weird thing to say it is a weird thing to it's, say it, it's a weird nail to choose like <laughs> it's a weird and that's i think also the appeal in that like there's something a little off. It's not like fully broken, but it's like a little twisted. And like you brought up the Barry Manilow, Barry Manilow song earlier, Hog. Yeah. Rich, what's the line like? Like you ate me, now eat me out. Like, <laughs> don't leave anything for later. Like it's like, right. like it's, it's. I heard a that weird lyric. Yeah, I heard that. You eat me yeah. out, and I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> It's, okay. they, make, they make some weird lyrical choices that, like, maybe don't fit perfectly <laughs> in, like, the cadence of the song. Yeah. Also doesn't let you just settle into comfort. I'd have no doubt they could write an album worth of songs that just sounded like, like a Billy Joel album. Like, right. just every bit of that, like, epic kind of blasty nature of it. Yeah. Without any of the weird lyrics. But they're happy to include the weird stuff, and it makes it so much more fun. Okay, so that was what I thought about Hog was that it's just you have this song that's very much like musically, it's just like this kind of like slow ballad. Yeah. But the song is yeah, basically, hi, how about you eat shit and die? There's a line about like all I can think about is how I would kill you if you were closer. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's I will kill you. But I really can't be bothered to go a long distance to do it. So as the music, you know, as this this music is indicating, I'm I'm just too low energy for that kind of pursuit right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also that who is this hog is just hey, like man. the least number of words to do it. Which is is twice as as in, insulting. Not only number one implying you're a hog, but two that you're one of the lesser known hogs uh, as it goes. <laughs> Look, there's some like nice little clever stuff right here. We could be suitable like one in the same light in the world, ever dark and mundane. That's not. That's pretty good. 
And and I love I, I love the message. The, the message of the song is really cool, right? Basically, I'm just bitching about someone who's just like flighty. Like they just fucking go like from one to the next, and it's like, what are you looking for? What do you want? But one of the interesting things is I noticed that the other song that I really like, I feel like has the other song that I think is like at that level, like this song, the one, "Live in Favor of Tomorrow." I feel like there's very similar themes. <laughs> If that makes sense. Let me see if I can find a lyric to... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Am I remembering that wrong? Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. because... Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I, I, there's a, okay, yeah, maybe it's a different... Maybe there's a, maybe there's a maybe. different song. There's a, It must be a different song, but there's another song where they basically talk about the same exact thing. If someone's like being flighty and not able to settle down and make a decision... I'm gonna find whatever that song is, but oh, I think it's this one. It's no one holds you closer than the one you haven't met. Yeah, I also like just the I like. All right, so I feel like it's a little cumbersome, like the title of the song. But <laughs> I feel like it's a real, it, it's a really good like, like you're just like, like it's a good grass is greener. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's. Of course, like, this is tough because you're going through some shit with somebody real. Like, and nobody holds you closer than the one you haven't met. Like, they don't have any way to taint your view of them, right? It's yeah. It's just this ideal version that's not real. I feel like they're variations on the same thing, which is fine. It's all good. It's a good, it's a good thought. It's a good thought. It's a nice yeah. little observation. It's not just, I miss I, you, I want you, I love you, blah, blah, blah. I, I do the like opening two lines of verse two there. I've heard the grass gets greener the further you go from the tomb you call your home. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like that, that tomb you call your home is solid. Like, that's, <laughs> that's a solid piece of poetry. The, the part that I liked in Live in Favor of Tomorrow was the line where it says, because I fall victim all the time to carrying my name around like it means something. And I was like, oh, that's, that's nice. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Uh, oh, also, yeah. Also, I thought I was just looking at your cut. Yeah. And you had Leather Together in parentheses, <laughs> the Big Star song, yeah. which I thought was really interesting because I wrote down not for leather together actually but for a shame the vocals that they singing on a shame is oh it reminded me so hard of of their big stars cover of m patel it sounds like the vocals <laughs> just almost straight i, I on. think they definitely have a, they have a, skip to leather together real quick they have a big star influence there's yeah. no doubt and i feel like there's a there's like uh, music we have not explored very much in this show would be like the 70 late 70s am like power pop like big star like the raspberries have you ever heard of the raspberries big star and is pretty weak <laughs> jonathan um, richmond and like that stuff i think it would be worth like checking something out at some point there it could fill in some of the blanks I, I like i think that's one of the things i struggle with there's these pieces where like sometimes it's hard to find the angle into music like that because i'm not well versed into it yeah and I, this is my version of that this is my like like i don't have a strong psychedelic <laughs> first hand i don't have a strong big star hand but i get the sound and it's yeah pretty, it's a pretty i'm not offended that 
I think I'm the only one that had it in my cut at all. I'd say it's pretty challenging, and it's also kind of dumb. I would say it lyrically. Gets little, it gets a little repetitive. I think this and Hell on Wheels both, like, I enjoy from a distance. Huh, that's funny. I think they're both really fun songs, but, like, when I listen to them, I, like, by the end of the song, I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, I think Hell on Wheels maybe, like, breaks down this, into some screamy stuff that that breaks up the repetitive nature of the, the chorus towards well, the end. that's kind or of no, why that, I like that's this. That's together. That's, that's yeah. this piece. Yeah. That's why I like this song at the end of the day. Is it goes into a full freakout, and yeah. it's kind of cool. I liked Hell on Wheels a lot, actually. That was a great way to start that record and establish what the hell we're going to listen to. I also like the. Boy, I think. I think. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, no, I was go ahead. Say, I th- Lewis, Lewis, I think your points are taken. I don't disagree with you, but I also got over it for Hell on Wheels, and I think part of that was just that there was enough in the other column that that made me come just at peace with the fact that it was repetitive. Particularly impressive that they worked a violin into that, <laughs> which I thought was not easy to pull off, but they did. <laughs> It just had nice energy. Yeah, I, I'm impressed that if you look at the personnel for their albums, I'm impressed that the majority of the one-off kind of instruments, like violin, cello, trumpet, etc., that like the ownership of that goes to these guys too. It's not, oh, we thought a violin would be great, so we brought in a violinist. It's, no, I can play the violin, and I'm just going to do that. <laughs> They're really talented, man. They're really talented. They really are. It's, they're super young, so I'm I'm like very tempted to just be like, oh, they're talented young. They're good. They're good kids. They're talented good kids because they're real I, fucking young. They are, and like, I think the thing that excites me is like, provided they don't like burn out or kill each other, which yeah, you know, which is totally possible. Together, yeah. like couple years from now if they never put out anything else we'll be the worst for it yeah 15 years from now if they're still making music i'll be curious to see what that sounds like because at some point they're gonna there there's a really good chance because these guys are talented enough to do it that it'll be a little less nostalgic and a little bit more their sound yeah i look forward to that yeah like every time there's a new lemon twigs song album ep whatever like I'm gobbling it up pretty much right when it comes out because I'm always curious to see what they're going to do. So We don't need to talk about your video, Lewis. We're going to watch it. Later. <laughs> gobbling. So Gob- Gobbling it up. As soon as it I comes mean, out. Yeah. We just watched Boogie Nights in this house, so I can make jokes <laughs> like that all day long. Dude, I love Boogie Nights, man. Just it's, love it. The camera work in that movie is incredible. Just, There's so many great long shots that exist, like traveling through the house. I, I just love it. I just love the story. It's like such a great snapshot of the time. It's like a demented Saturday Night Fever. It's got maybe yeah. one of the best scenes with cocaine in on the history of cinema, in my opinion. Yeah, where, <laughs> where they're all like they're all separately doing cocaine, and like Roller Girl and Julianne Moore doing it together. Oh, I was. I was thinking about out of control. I was thinking about the Alfred Molina scene at the end with so, uh, with so Jesse's girl. I like <laughs> that, but I, I think there's there's a sequence three quarters of the way through the movie where it's like Mark Wahlberg, Thomas Jane, and uh, why am I blanking on Steve Brule? Why am uh, I blanking on 
Doctor Doctor Steve Brule. Uh, I can't think of the John C. Riley. Okay. So like, <laughs> there's a sequence where they're doing coke, and then separately, like Roller Girl and Julianne Moore are doing coke, and then separately, I think there's like a third party, and they're all like. It's like a 10 minute sequence where they're all just getting further and further out of control. And things are happening, like days are passing around Mark Wahlberg. But like Roller Girl and Julianne Moore are in the same room over the same period of time. <laughs> right, it's going right. to be very short, but Julianne Moore just gets crazier and crazier. <laughs> and so, like, masterfully shot. Yeah, that's a great movie. Have you seen that, Jenny? I have, but it's been a long time. It's great. It's totally so it's worth watching like, again. It's not super detailed and fresh. There's yeah. parts that are still in my memory, but like not in a huge level of detail. Great little John Ch- Don Cheadle performance in that too, by the way. For sure. But anyway, what was I going to say? I was going to say something. Oh, let's see here. Oh, yeah. So with Hell on Wheels, I guess what I wanted to say is it definitely sounds like a Stone song, but like a Stones from... And we should tell. I put in the after party list, I put She's a Rainbow, but we could totally play any song off of her their Satanic Majesty's Request, which is a weird record, singular weird record in the Stones discography, where I think they felt like the Beatles were like overtaking them or something, and they decided to make their version of Sgt. Pepper's. So it's like a randomly Baroque pop psychedelic thing going on, which is not what they do, but that felt like that to me. It felt like it was like the Stones, but in that time. And Homeboy's Brian, I guess, the the brother that sings on that song, his raspy voice reminds me of the lead singer of the Psychedelic Furs. Yeah. Which is more of an 80s band, but still. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, no, it's a cool, it's a cool song. It's a cool song. I dig. I, I I thought it was a great opening. It establishes their weird songwriting, some of their influences. Like I know what I'm getting. I'm not gonna be like crazy surprised by anything coming up. Yeah, I think so. There's a couple songs that we haven't talked about at all. Yes, um, we should. Yeah, we should cover those. So like fight. What do you guys think about fight? Does it stick out at all for you? It was okay. Yeah. It felt real to me, like... It was, it was middle of the road because, like, I liked the verse more. Once it got to the chorus, like, I got, the chorus turned me off a little bit. But it was, like, fine. It was middle of the road. It wasn't their best song. It wasn't their worst song. It was... And, and it's it's a little cliche, the opening lines. I yeah. need you just... I need a hole in the head. I've heard that one before. Yeah, yeah, but then it follows it up with Hear Me Out, I'm glad your mom is I mean, yeah. a little broken still in this. And I'll tell you what line I really felt is, I'm always stuck picking your socks up off the floor. Fuck, dude. <laughs> that is some real shit That's right real. there, dude. <laughs> yeah. It really is. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, like, I, I think it's, I think it's a solid kind of bouncy kind of pop song. I don't think there's anything that, like, sets it out. Like, it's not a song I go back to a lot, but it doesn't, like... It's not terrible, still. It's not like when it comes on, it's fine. We'll just we'll go through this one, I'll listen to it, and I'll still enjoy it a little bit. Like, the chorus, like, is boring, but there is, like, this kind of concise, skilled, like, it's, progression. There's, it, like, melodic progression that yeah. they get through it that I think is, is pretty tight. 
It's fine. I agree with Jenna. Yeah. It's if you put this on the radio, whatever. If you put this on, and I would not be like, man, fuck you, get turn this shit off. But right. I might also not really be like, you know what, I should come back to that. That that's if, if I could overcomplicate and say meh in a thousand yeah, words. Yeah. Please allow me. <laughs> so, and the other one is why do lovers own each other? Which is like a weird, like, for anyone else, I feel like that would be like a weird little hidden track. Is this like a poly, is this like a, like a pro polyamory type of thing? Or I was trying to get that or figure that out or. Maybe a little bit. I don't know, because there, there's one verse where that's what I wrote down, too. Are you trying to make a case for polyamory here? Yeah. Or where it says, I'm living every day, so why should I not play when I'm living? Right, exactly, day? yeah. But yeah. Then it, the more I like went back and looked at it, the more it seems like each verse was like a different stage of like interest in someone or a different relationship stage. Like the one before it, where he's just, will we ever be together? Or maybe not. But it, it seemed like maybe it was just, trying to reflect different stages of interest <laughs> or attachment maybe yeah maybe because that third verse or second verse maybe has a bit about when will like us be me or something like that yeah this sounds or a little bit us. This also i think mainly what turned me off on this song is it sounds like uh I don't know. It sounds like medieval. There's, there's like a classic British hymnal kind of component. Yeah, of it. Like, something. Like, I feel like the Beatles did this a couple times. Yes. And it was tongue-in-cheek then, too. Yeah. And, and I feel like one of the redeeming parts of this is, like, I feel like they pulled from a thing that no one really does with this song. Like, they really embraced the Baroque component. Yes. And it opens up in a, an interesting way. That at least says <laughs> it. At least sounds like, like this part. they picked a sound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's like uh, it's like a magical mystery tour song or something. But it's a little. I feel like did they ever really go full like that? I don't ever think there's I a. Know. I don't think there's like maybe Maxwell Silver Hammer. I'm just trying to think of one song where they just went full that because I don't think they did. I think they like tried to touch that a little yeah. bit, incorporate that in pieces. But this, I, I think it's, this I think it's an interesting songwriting. Like, it feels like a songwriting exercise. It feels. Let's see if we yeah. can make a song that's like full-on baroque pop, and yeah. let's see what that ha what happens with that. And I kind of respect that. It's not a song that I'm a big fan of, but yeah. I, I, kinda, I kinda respect that this is a real left turn and let's just embrace it for a song and see if there's anything that comes out of it. No, and, you know, I respect like, it. They went there. There's no doubt. I don't know what... I, I hope nothing... I, I'd hate to think that something like really good ended up on the cutting room floor because that <laughs> song was on I the mean, album. Like, but okay, and I can maybe speak to this a little bit, but... There's like sometimes when when I'm writing something and like I'll write something like kind of creatively and then I'll give it to someone to take a look at and you might have 10 things and there's one thing in those 10 things that I know most people are not going to like but I like it. Yeah. And then the let's say I give it to 9 people and 9 people tell me what the fuck is that? But I just keep it in there anyway cuz I like it. 
Yeah. Is that, so, that's not just yeah, yeah. self-indulgence. It's also, it's, no. See, for me, that's not what it is. For me, what it is, like, maybe if this turns into something someday and a bunch of people read it, all that one in ten is really gonna dig, really gonna dig this. They're really gonna like trip off of this shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's, you can't like, they can't all the like all the songs can't be for everyone. Like I think about some of my yeah. favorite records, like ever, and there's always like a song that I feel like I like, and everyone else has just missed the boat on. Like I'm just like that's that song is amazing, and I have no idea why no one else likes this fucking song. And so maybe that was their song. That was their, like, we're going to do, like, a modern sort of bard, jester performance in a castle with modern instrumentation, <laughs> like, about polyamory. And that's what we're going to do. And that's okay. And and I guess Ashamed is the other song we haven't really talked about, which we're listening to now. Yeah. Which, there's a little yeah. bit of, like, the vocal melody that, like... I, they start singing it, and all I can hear is "Old Lang Syne," but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now that you say it, yeah. <laughs> but but it's I just, think it, it's still it's, really good. I think it it was like a nice palate cleanser, in as much as it's just it seems like it's just very stripped down. I don't, apart from it sounding like Big Star, it, it was just nice to listen to. It. And like this part in particular was like my favorite, where they have this little like breakdown. That's, yeah, I like this one. It it I think it's in the right place. It's a nice closer, and I and in the like the way that the voice just warbles just a little bit is very Alex Chilton for me. Very Alex Chilton. Very. Mm -hmm. What's the name of the guy from Beirut? Do you guys know that band Beirut? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I don't know his name, Holy but I know shit. exactly what you mean. Yeah, he has that's vibrato and the voice long. like deal going on. Yeah, that's a band that I haven't thought about in a few years. I wonder what they've put out recently. Zach Condon. Zach Condon, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I saw them live in, Here, right at the right. Plaza in Santa Fe. Gallipoli was the last thing they put out, and it was 2019. But just, just in terms of that vibrato kind of... Yeah. Also a 4AD band for their last two albums. If that oh, Beirut. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 in fact, when I was trying to think about the, this brother, I guess it's Mike, this brother, not the yeah. other brother, not the ras, not raspy brother. Yeah. Not madman, good boy, brother, this brother. I always <laughs> felt I feel like his voice is. If we're gonna compare it to a modern singer, it, yeah, Zach Condon might be a good, yeah, yeah. might be a good comparison. That's yeah, that's a really good observation. That like, I feel like that's maybe one of those observations that's been chasing me around for the last couple weeks. Like, just trying to name the like bands that this band reminds me of, and I I think Beirut was there. I just it's been so long since I thought about them that I couldn't quite get those neurons to connect. So I was listening to this record on my Plex amp, which is basically Spotify for for Plex, and then and so. <laughs> well, we don't need to get into negative and into insults, but but anyway, so I was listening to the whole record and I had it on a mode where it will play me something similar, like algorithmically similar to that. And the next song it played for me after the after Ashamed was "Time to Pretend," which is the song by MGMT, the first song on their first record, I believe. Nice and. I would have never made the connection 
at all. <laughs> I would have never ever made that connection. And but I I see it. I see it. Especially I see it more less on their first record. I see it more on the second record. Congratulations, which wears a lot of its like Prague and '70s stuff like more on its sleeve. Yeah, I think like we were talking about the way we discover music now and there's a lot of its algorithm. And I think for a period of time, Pandora really filled that gap for me. If I was into an artist and I was trying to figure out kind of pieces of like where their sound came from, Pandora was a good resource for that because it could pull up stuff that I hadn't really thought about that it's matching on. Also, all music used to be really good at yes. like, get, like listing kind of influences and contemporaries and things like that. Definitely. And that was a big part of where I chewed through like finding new music from music I was aware of. And I brought it up earlier, like every Saturday night on KCRW, Henry Rollins does a two hour show and there's always interesting connections that he makes across the bands that he plays. And I'll go for a run and just throw on the last week's show or whatever and, and listen through. And it's like bands I haven't heard of, bands I have forgotten about, and like ties to bands in ways that I wasn't prepared for. And I cool. think, yeah, and it, it's an anti-algorithm kind of way of doing it. It's intention. It's influence and intention from someone whose tastes I jive with. and. And I think that's one of the things that kind of gets missed when we're dealing with YouTube and Pandora and things like that. I know that there are catered playlists that exist on Spotify, right? So it's a little bit more Yeah, like cur curated. Is that, right. Like, Questlove does a lot of that. And here's the thing about it like that. It's like Questlove put together like a curated playlist. I'm going to listen to that shit. You know why? Because yeah. I've seen him DJ. Like right. for f fucking six straight hours, going from Fela Kuti to fucking hair metal and everything right. in between. And I trust he him. Takes you on, he <laughs> I, he's like, going to take me on a ride. And that's cool. And that's that's a big part of what I appreciate about the Henry Rollins show, too. Is there's an intention. There's a journey. And part of that is exposing you to something that maybe you haven't heard before or, or exposing you to something you have heard before but haven't thought about alongside these other things. And, so, and that's valuable. So quick little detour. I really want to sing karaoke to this song and to the one. I think nice. there would be such great karaoke songs, but yeah. it, it ain't going to happen, unfortunately. Yeah, you're never going to find well, a, a karaoke place. Unless. Unless. You, uh, you do what we talked about. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I can make my own. So... I have a way of doing that. Uh, the only thing is, I, I don't know about the bouncing ball over the, the lyrics. That would be hard. You don't need that. But yeah, but it's like a lyric sheet, right? Like you just want a lyric yeah. sheet. If you know the song, you can roll with just a lyric sheet, I feel like. Yeah, I always struggle with wanting to sing Misfits for karaoke and there not being that many Misfits songs that are fit for karaoke. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I can't re literally think of one that could even possibly be on a karaoke machine. Yeah, yeah, there, there's the problem. Uh, it was. It didn't they have a song. I, I walked I want, with. I walked with Jane Mansfield. Was that yeah. like the hit? Like, there, there's always the. What is it? I want to savage your spinal remains. Like that's. I mean, there's know, there's the, mother, right? There's Danzig's mother. Right. Like 
I bet that could be on a karaoke but, machine. But there are so many misfit songs that would lead them lend themselves to some really fun karaoke. Dude. It was just you'd have to apologize to a room full of people after. See, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. Because here's the thing: I can listen to any karaoke performance as long as the performer is down, is just sold yeah. out and down. Like I'm doing this and I'm fucking going for it. Like yeah. literally. Like if you're going for it, I'm with it. It could be, I, I told you, I, I used to do karaoke all the time when I was living in Philly, and that was like, that Careless Whisper, that was like my fucking go-to, and guess what, dude, like, you just, you just go for it, man, you're just gonna be, I'm just gonna be George Michael for this next, like, four minutes, and that's just the way it's gonna be. Yeah, yeah, like, maybe in the Misfits hybrid moments would work as karaoke, like, that, that's a piece, like... There's just something about Len Danzig singing like Elvis that just seems like it <laughs> lends itself perfectly to karaoke. I do Elvis. I do Elvis. Fuck it. Yeah. Suspicious yeah. Minds. That's a great karaoke song. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so I think we did. I think we did the rounds. Do we yeah. want to? I think we can rate it. Find our exit. Yeah. So I can start. Yet again, the thing I love about doing this show and doing the show with you guys is I get turned on to cool shit that's new and cool. Yeah, I'd never heard of this band before. I'm really intrigued to listen to the older records. I feel like this one's going to be, just because they're so young, I feel like this one's going to be more polished and maybe more interesting, but maybe I'm wrong. I think you'll be surprised when you listen to Do Hollywood. I think okay. you'll be really surprised. Yeah, and there's a, the after party will have their like breakout singles from that. Cool. Not every song like hit with me, but... The ones that did, man, are so catchy and cool, and I, f I almost feel like this music was made for just like a nerd like me. Like, just I know all this, I know all the influences, I know all the stuff, and it's a fun game to tease that stuff out. But the song is really catchy at the end of the day, and the lyrics are like not—I wouldn't say they're like amazing generally, but these guys are now in their early twenties. If I was writing lyrics like that in my early 20s, like, someone should have, would have given me a fucking medal. That's excellent. So, I don't know. Can I say four stars factoring in the fact that they're so fucking young? And, like, I'm really excited and hopeful that they keep going and doing their thing and seeing what's next. And maybe it's, like, amazing and better. Let's just say that. Four stars with an asterisk. <coughs> I think that it's yeah pretty. I think most of that I would second. I think that these dudes have a technical ability that cannot be questioned. I think it's it's like pretty apparent. And it listening like even just me listening to it for this is just wow. Okay, like clearly they can do a lot of things really well. Like a lot of like other bands, older bands, like they've got the technical ability to pull that off, which I think absolutely earns them several points. I think that there's also several moments where they manage to make me laugh, which is not always that easy to do, <laughs> so I appreciate I appreciate that side of them. I think yeah, like I am with you, Alonzo. Not every song hits, but like the ones that did it really well, I think the only kind of and it's really not even a negative, actually, because I guess it's a good thing. If you listen to something and it makes you want to seek out more material, like, that's a positive, really. 
It's just that throughout all of this, they've done other bands so well that I'm just like super interested to hear. I, I really do want to hear what they would come up with if you ask them like, all right, don't sound like anybody else. Just show me what you got. I'm really interested to see what that would sound like because I think they've got a ton of like raw ability. So yeah. I, I would give it a, I would give this one a three five with a caveat that I think that they're that they could do stuff that would resonate much, a little strong, more strongly. You know what I'm saying? No doubt. I feel like that stuff is out there, or that it's in them. It's just that an album that sounds primarily like other artists wasn't isn't exactly what I wanted from them. What I would want most from them, I think, is isn't it just not an album that sounds a lot like everyone else. That's all. Yep. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I'd really like to see what it sounds like if they're not, you know, just making somebody else's albums. But at the same time, man, they nail that. Yep. Man, they they like they nail that ability to take sounds from things that I love <laughs> and really make it pristine and new and like it's part nostalgia like we were talking about earlier it's also that part of me that like I've listened to you know certain artists hundreds of times and I know their entire catalog and there's not going to be any new stuff that comes from that and there's a little bit of this when they're like riding on somebody else's sound in a new creative yeah. way. It's a little bit of that that scratches an itch where I just constantly want to hear something new from people I love that maybe aren't doing new stuff anymore. I would love to hear like influence, like, like straightforward, like we're making our music, this is what we sound like. At the same time, I hate to assume that anybody's pressuring these guys to do anything they don't want to do like the thing the vibe that i get from them is very much uh, no it's cool we know what we're doing and we know what we want to do and this is it and it's fun and we love it and it's what we do if you want this then the lemon twigs are your people and if you want something else maybe we're not your people and <laughs> and they seem like the kind of band that's uncompromising and just doing what they want to do like that i can't imagine like the bands that we love if the like if we were musicians and i know we all dabble have dabbled multiple mm -hmm. times but if we were musicians like it's like the equivalent of playing like cover songs let's just get together and have fucking fun with this and i never get the feeling like these guys are doing anything but having a good time yeah. For me, this is like four stars. They, the times that I try and pick away at things that I don't like always lead to me like explaining why I like the thing so much. And and I think they're good musicians and I think they're still doing interesting things. And I think they'll continue to. And I, I think I really enjoy it. And young, old, like they're really talented at what they do. And I really enjoy it. And, yeah, I think it's a four-star album. Oh, okay. So, Ryan, can I throw in, like, a possibly slightly controversial coda? Please. You were saying this about, hey, these some of these artists that we know, they aren't going to be making music. Either they're dead or they're not making music like that anymore. Or they're not making music at all, right? And that actually really resonated with me because... So there's... And this is the controversial part. 
there's a song I heard by a group called Silk Sonic, which is like a huge oh, yeah. mainstream. So yeah, they they it, like literally their hit song went number one, I think, for right. multiple and, and, weeks. And it was like a teaser it, song. It wasn't really even like a full on. No, it's a full song. Uh, it's called Leave the Door Open. We can watch it in the after party, yeah. but it's Anderson Pack plus Bruno Mars. Yeah. So listening to the song, I remember listening to the first time and I was just like, okay, that's a cool video. Like the video is like really cool. It takes place in a studio. It looks like the 70s. And the song is outright an, an, like a homage to Stevie Wonder, the Delphonics, the Jackson 5. It's just homage to black music of the 70s. There's no doubt. But it's great <laughs> and it sounds yeah. beautiful and like the delphonics are not around anymore do you know <laughs> and it's so cool to listen to music that's made by competent not just competent fantastic musicians and it's actually made with music instruments and with real musicians and it doesn't sound like some shit i put up on a casio <laughs> with like Fruity Loops drums on it. And no, at the end of the day, no disrespect to that music because there's some cool stuff within that and it's cool to be able to make music almost as a non-musician. That's cool, the concept. But like real great music made by real musicians at the top of their game, at like the top of their craft. And even if it is like a tip to like nostalgia, the 70s or whatever, it sounds so good. So, I don't know. Like, for me, it's just, I'm willing to forgive that stuff when the musicianship is so high. Yeah, I agree. Like, I I think, I I always think it's interesting to hear artists that I uh, respect talk about the songs and artists they love. And I, I think it would be a beautiful thing to have that conversation around an album like this that's oh yeah when we made this song this is what we were thinking of or we were trying to figure out a transition to this other thing and what we remembered was this psychedelic first tracker like that kind of deep dive director's commentary that says hey yes we're like late teenagers but you know music that was made 40 years ago is this shit that like rattles around in here and every time I pick up an instrument I just want to hear some version of that I think that kind of there's a lot of there's room for that right there's room like it's not parody and it's not like it's not copyright infringement (laughs) it's it's this weird world of like imitation but not fully imitating it's like, like it's like the Tarantino. It's like the Tarantino of like music, right? Like in some ways, right? Tarantino loves his references. He loves his like shots composed like his favorite weirdo fucking French movie from sixty years ago, or right, oddball right. kung fu movie or whatever. Like he loves that, and you know why he loves including that stuff? He doesn't need to because I think he's like a master filmmaker, and he can make whatever the hell he wants, and people are gonna watch it and, and dig it. He does it for me, like he does it because I'm gonna be like. Oh, hey, cool. There's yeah. that. There's where you're trying to do X from Y movie. I don't know. It's like some nerdery shit. There's nothing wrong with yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'd much rather my music include a bit of an education, even if it's a thing that I got to chase down on my own, than someone who's like, 
arrogant enough to just talk about how this thing that I've done is amazing and groundbreaking right. and no one's ever done it before. Right. I'd much rather hear, yeah, I couldn't get this Todd Rundgren song out of my head. So <laughs> yeah. I went to the studio and I made my own version of it. Right. Hey, so Jenny, while you maybe, unless you already know exactly what we're going to do next time, while you, that rattles around your mind, I was thinking about trying a new segment, real short. Okay, hold on Okay. one second, because... We need to, let's talk logistics for a hot yes. sec. We have roughly six episodes before Austin. Yes. So I cons- I considered that perhaps, I would like, if one of you are willing to donate your pick to that cause, I'd like for one of you to pick a good Thundercat album for us to listen to before we go. Because I am not familiar and I need to get there. Ooh, um, okay. So one of those, one of so Meyer Ryan's. I was thinking that I don't know exactly how many episodes we need to do it because we've already covered Crumb, hmm. and I am going to do a Conan Moccasin before Oh, yeah. Then. Awesome. Perfect. I would like maybe if we could do a Thundercat, and I don't know if there's more than three that we would want to cover before we get there. So maybe so, we've got a couple to play with, maybe we don't. So I don't th- know. this is my idea about Austin, is that okay. during the day... We just ba- we record four shows, and we just bank them. So during the day, like throughout the four days, three days or however long it is, at some point we record four shows, and we have them in the bank, and we take the rest of the year off. <laughs> <laughs> that was my thought, and so the, what I was thinking was that we could, each one of those could be bands we're gonna go see there. So then we can listen to the record ahead of time. Yeah, we can go to the show and then do the the pod or something, and and then we've done it, and and then and then we can have the rest of the year. Yeah, and we really need to look at picking up some tickets because things are starting to sell out. For for, for shows. Yeah, a place to bury strangers that sold out. Oh, damn. Okay. All right. Yeah, fuck. All right. We need to make it happen. Is Thundercat sold out? I hope. It's not sold out yet. <laughs> okay. Um, All right. Crumb is not sold out yet. Okay. All right. That's fine. That's okay. That's okay. That's fine. Okay. After post-show, let's all just, yeah. like, figure out the ticket situation. But so yeah. that, that's what I was thinking, Jenny. We can do those shows ahead of time and do some different shows or whatever. I don't know. That, that's my thought. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think that would... I think- that could be workable. Alright, so we're gonna still have our regular schedule every two weeks, but then we're also gonna fit four albums in amongst those. Yeah. We'll do all we'll do a regular schedule. We'll all show uh-huh. up in Austin. Uh-huh. Each day maybe we do one win show while we're all together. I'll bring my equipment so we can just record together. In person. And then we don't do any more shows. Then we have shows I can just release over time. And then we don't do any more shows for November and December. You know, so we're I, only recording one then while we're in Austin? Um, we, we'd re- be recording a few while we're in Austin. At least a few, yeah. We could do, yeah. ideally, four, if we could record four, that would be fucking cool. 
That would be a lot of extra recording to be doing on this trip. Yeah, well, well, we'll see. We'll see how it I goes. I mean, I'm, I'm not actually, I'm not actually as worried about the recording as I am. But like, where am I going to find time to listen to four albums on top of the other? Albums? Here's the thing, Jenny. What we could do is yeah. we could take some, we could uh, fuck with our regular schedule. That's fine. I'm gonna, I'm planning on listening to all that stuff ahead of those shows anyway. Because uh, I'm a maniac. I- I like Jenny's idea of the lead-in towards the show, like hitting maybe some points that we haven't oh. spent time with because we could spend some time on this album. True. The other thing too is that there is somewhere out there, I think it's on Spotify maybe, someone has put together a playlist that includes the artists on that bill I've not heard of. And I do want to take a cycle through and see if I can pick up anybody new off of the unknowns for me. Hmm. So that's going to be an assignment that I do as well. Maybe we have one where we like identify new people who are new to us that sound nice. I don't know. Cool. That would be cool. Yeah. We could just we yeah. could literally do a we could do a pod about the the festival. Just be like, yo, this is what I heard. It was super fucking cool. Okay, we'll figure it out. Let's we'll figure out the logistics. Do you have a pick for two weeks from now? It's okay if you don't. That's okay. We, I can I vamp. Do, but it's an artist that we're gonna see there. Okay. So. Okay, but that's okay. That's Is fine. Let's do it. Let's do it. What do you got? All right. All right. I want to do. I want to do Conan Moccasin. I was really struggling which which album to do, and I honestly don't know. It's between Forever Dolphin Love and Caramel, and they're they're two diff- They're just they're just so different from one another, but what? they're both good and. It, I don't know. What's which, the what's can you exactly? if can you give me like like genre term terminology for each? Forever Dolphin Love is like very it's like a more alternative Mac DeMarco on acid. It's very strange. It's like cycles in between some chill vibes and like some more harder like harder alternative type stuff. So it's like an interesting album. It's good. They're both good. They're both fantastic. I love them both. Mm-hmm. But this one is like more rock-ish, more like weird, and you know, it, it gets weird with it, basically. Okay. And Caramel is very much. It's really good, but it's also very. It, it's a vibe. Like it's a mood. I it, I think I'm trying to remember. Somebody was inter- Pitchfork interviewed somebody, and I'm gonna Google it and tell you who it was. But she was like, "Yeah, my favorite album is Moccasin's Caramel," and she said it demands patience. And I was like, "That's the best description I've heard. It does demand patience, but man, is it amazing! It's very like chill, though. It's very slow. It's it's just like, I, I don't can- I don't know." So I guess it depends on what you're in the mood for. I can deal. I can deal with the chill vibe. I don't know, Ryan. What do you think? All right. Yeah, I'm good with that. I'm open to either one because yeah. I haven't spent a lot of time with it. Me too. And, Me uh, too. Literally, the only thing I listened to is just the video that you showed us. Yeah, where that he's, we played on here. Yeah, and that was cool. That was super cool. Why don't we do this? We can do Caramel officially. Mm-hmm. I have a Spotify playlist that kind of has my picks from both albums that if you want to explore the other one in as a break, I would fully recommend. Cool. So we'll do Caramel, I guess. Okay. okay. That sounds it's good. One that you, it's one that you can work to. It's definitely one you can work to. 
Awesome. I, I dig that. I've got both of them in my playlist now. Cool. I'm sure I will listen to both, but it's good to have one to focus on. Caramel, so it's good sure. one to do that. I'm excited. The new segment I was gonna, I was wanting to try is just like, I I listened to a podcast recently and I really wanted to give like a recommendation, <laughs> and like I realized like, hey, like maybe we could just each. Like, in the last two weeks, other stuff you've listened to, and you want to, like, hype and say, hey, this is, like, super awesome, go check it out. So, if I can begin, I'm trying to think where I heard of this. can't remember where I heard of it, but I started listening to this podcast called Cocaine and Rhinestones. And it is done by the son of David Allen Coe. I can't remember his name. David Allen Coe being a pretty famous outlaw country, 70s, 80s guy. And it is like a deep dive into country and like country western musicians, artists, singers, songwriters. And I'm talking a deep fucking dive. Like, and so the first one I listened to was, I'm trying to think, which one was the very first one I listened to? The Leuven Brothers. So I've always liked some of the Leuven Brothers songs. I think the first time I had ever listened to the Leuven Brothers was actually because of Rob Zombie. <laughs> I think it was on the Devil's Reject soundtrack, I believe. And then Hank the Third has a record called Straight to Hell. And the very first song on it is called Satan is Real. And it's a Leuven Brothers song. And then it like morphs into like Hank's song Straight to Hell. So anyway, I like the Leuven Brothers. And... It's just like this deep dive, crazy intense, like hour and a half long history of the Lubin Brothers. And it's so well researched and so well done. And I was just blown away. And the one I listened to this past week was Buck Owens and Don Rich, who's like basically Buck Owens' right hand man. And I am such a Buck Owens, Don Rich fan now. Like, it's like amazing. Also, by the way, Buck Owens, like, I think the one who made the nudie suit, like, a big deal. Like, he was the first one to wear those. But just, I don't know, like, he goes into what Buck was listening to when he was a kid growing up. He was an Okie, and they ended up in California, right, during the Dust Bowl. So growing up in Bakersfield, and what were the musical influences? And I was just blown away. It's so well done. And if you have, even if you don't give a shit about country music, like, just, like, tune in and you'll just learn so much. I was just, it was, like, a master education. So, I'm super stoked about it. It's called Rhinestone Cowboy, or, sorry, Cocaine and Rhinestones. Rhinestone Cowboy. Cocaine and Rhinestones. Go check it out. It's fucking awesome. Alonzo, on a side note, I just want to let you know that there is a place in Austin that does nudie suit, like, custom stitching. I uh, saw... We are going, I don't know that we don't necessarily need to get the full nudie suit, but I want to get a custom stitch jacket at the very least. At the very least. It looks so cool. Yeah. Ryan, just type in nudie suit Austin and it's the first link. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to just. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it looks so fucking cool, man. Fort Lansom? Yeah, I think, I think that's what it is. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. You can get like custom stitching on like jackets and. Yeah. yeah, we gotta go there. <laughs> Period. This uh, this one photo really got me. This is really nicely done with like the little palm trees. Ryan, this I kind of this this by the way, this song, it, this could be like the soundtrack to some Monty Python movie. 
I think, too. It also, there, it has some aerial paint components. A little, right? a little, yeah. So anyone else have any picks or recommendations? Picks of the week? Does it have to, can it, it have could be anything. I could hop it could be anything. Go for it, yeah. Which is, I think I mentioned this last time, but when you talk about like really young musicians, like doing stuff that sort of sounds like it harkens from a couple decades or several decades earlier. I don't, for my money, I don't think it gets any better than the Smith Western's Diet Blonde, which is, it was on Fat Possum in 2011. I put a link to one of their songs in the after party. Oh, cool. It is amazing. And I know that the Pitchfork, the Pitchfork rating is a bad indicator because I'm still butthurt about Alt-J and we'll talk about it sometime <laughs> in more detail, but still mad about that. But Pitchfork gave this an 8.4 and I think it's one of the times that they actually got it right. It's really good. And I think if you enjoy, if you enjoyed this, it would be the logical thing I'd have to recommend next. Cool. I heard it on U92 actually was the first place I heard it. And I think Ben Williams was DJing that night. And the only reason I was listening is because it was his show. It's really good. You should check it out. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, I mean, as far as musically, what I've been listening to, The War on Drugs dropped a new track from their upcoming album. The track is I Don't Live Here Anymore. If you like, if you like that war on drugs sound, right? Very, very Kurt Vile, very Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, the new track is good. Also really enjoyed the new Tyler, the Creator album, Call Me If You Get Lost, which has a lot of the yacht rock sounds that we've talked about in hip hop. Yeah. It's a pretty solid album. Cool. And, been meaning yeah, to listen to that one. Yeah, both of those have been on, on my list recently. And uh, there's a hardcore band called Soul Glow out of Philly that uh, a friend of mine turned me on to. And yes, it is spelled sold like the hair product in Coming to America. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying Soul Blow. No. And I was like, soul wow, that's blow. a pretty good name for a band. Blow for your soul. Yeah. Go to Bandcamp. Check out their, their stuff. Nice. Uh, they've dropped two EPs this year. Very bad brains, fishbone, daughters. Really good stuff. Cool. Really good stuff. Awesome. All right. Okay, so let's take a little break. Got a gun for it either.